Okay, so you have a small business that you need to market, but you're not a marketer. So now what? Where do you start and what are you even supposed to do? Well, meet Engie. Engie is marketing software that simplifies marketing for small business owners. You can plan, organize, and get your marketing out the door and in front of your next customers fast. The best news? Engie is turning one on May 8th, so you can make marketing way more manageable for yourself for only $19 a month for your first year with the code BDAY. But don't wait. This offer ends on May 31st. This week's episode of the Pretty Okay podcast. I am your host, Taylor Holman, and today we are talking about why you don't always have the best answers to your questions, and actually your customers are the people that hold those answers. So today we wanted to have this conversation because as business owners, we very often think that it is our job to have the answers and be in a position where our services or our products are actually telling other people what to do. Because that's pretty much the reason why people turn to the internet and to other businesses, because they're looking for solutions and answers. But that isn't always the case. And today, I am so excited to be having this conversation with a very special guest, Martha Batar of Flowdesk. Martha is the CEO and co-founder of Flowdesk, which I know you all have heard me talk about many, many times and my multiple accounts here on the podcast before. And just in case you haven't caught those episodes, Flowdesk is an amazing email platform that makes it so easy and affordable to incorporate email marketing into your overall marketing strategy. So basically, there are no excuses unless... It's you're one of the extremely few people that email marketing is not an effective channel for you. But like I said, that is the uh, extreme minority of business owners in this in this case. Now, Martha and I met back in 2019, right as Flowdesk was launching, and I am so thankful that we've been able to keep in touch ever since. She is someone that I honestly fangirl over, and I am thrilled to have her joining us today. Martha, welcome, welcome to the Pretty Okay podcast. Thank you. Right back at you. I, I love your Okay, We're On voice, and I don't have that, so warning, I speak really fast. If at any given point you don't understand me because I'm going too fast, or my Mexican accent, just let me know. <laughs> You're so polished. It's amazing. So excited to be um, here, though. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. I mean, I um, and am also someone who tends to talk pretty quickly, and I'm often like, <laughs> slow down, take a breath. You have time to say your words. It's fine. <laughs> so I hear you. Um, yeah, so water. Yep. So yeah. this is going to be a super fun conversation. Um, I really wanted to have it with you because I feel like as a as an actual member of the Flowdesk community, I personally feel like Flowdesk is doing a great job of asking us what 
we want to see, what our problems are, all that kind of jazz. Um, so because you are a founder who is really close to the ground level, right? Like some founders, they they shoot themselves up to that white ivory tower pretty quickly. <laughs> I don't feel like you're one of those people that have done that. So that's why I'm super excited to be having this conversation with you. And I'm sure that we are all going to get some really cool firsthand insight from your experience. Um, so the first question that I wanted to ask is a pretty uh, softball one. <laughs> but Why do you think that listening to your customers is really important to do, to do as a business owner? Yeah, great question. Well, in the end of the day, you're, I think it, it comes back to the, the reason for starting a business, right? Um, you don't start a business to make money or to make one of your fancy ideas happen. Um, that like those things could be side bonuses, right? And, and should be the, the, at least making it profitable and sustainable, right? Even for the sake of your customers, but you start a business to solve a problem, right? So in the end of the day, like that's, that's kind of like the basic framework, right? Um, of a business, whether that problem is, I'm going to start, uh, an entertainment, you know, channel on YouTube because people are tired of, of the news and they need something that's like more light hearted and humor. Like that's still solving a problem, right? Um, or email marketing because small business owners need to monetize their campaigns and social media is not going to do the job as well or, or not convert as well and other platforms are not as easy to use right so so you 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 solve a problem and in the end of the day when you're thinking of how do i build my business um you want to stay as true as possible to that solution right to solving that problem so i i think when you were building it and you're thinking of of this the actual solution right the product in our case a software platform um, you can go in so many ways and, and the, the best way to make sure that you're still solving the problem and whatever you choose to build and spend time and invest in is, is still solving that problem is to talk to the customers who are your ideal market, right? So not only talking to your customers, but talking to your ideal customers. So talking to the people who are, if you haven't launched those who are going to be the leads that you market to, if you've already launched, then definitely your customers and probably also the leads. Does that make sense? Yep, totally. I mean, you make a really good point about, you know, you're trying to solve a problem. And with a lot of business owners, it's pretty common that we start businesses around a a personal problem that we've experienced, right? And so, you know, the, the founder use case to duck tech. Sorry, guys. We're, Martha and I are both going to use uh, a bunch of tech terms that you probably don't hear very often. Um, but so even if you're founding your business around or with the intention of solving a problem that you have experienced as an individual, um, it's super important to make sure that your founder problem is like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's affirmed by your potential customers and your ideal clients, right? Because if right, you exactly. cuz if you only build something for yourself, that's only going to take you so far and so listening to your customers over time and understanding what their their problems and pain points and struggles are really can like keep you on track to make sure that you're fulfilling the mission that you set out to fulfill. So, um, you know, Sam and I talk about core values quite often. And even though 
this is a different topic, there's a, a similar sentiment to wanting to make sure that you always have a, a North Star that you're driving your business toward. So, um, so yeah, so that is the, I think that's a super important foundational piece for everyone to understand and, and really take to heart. So yeah, I think so. And I think it's also, um, it's exactly what you said. A lot of, a lot of us start, we did too. We started thinking we have this problem. Why are we not happy with any of the platforms? But, but you, you want to know what the size of your market is, right? Because if you, if you realize that there's five people total in the world, which I don't know that there's a market that exists that's that small, but, but that's, that's your total like revenue upside, right? Also. So are you able to build a business? Maybe it depends on, on what you're charging, right? But um, we, for example, we chose to bootstrap um, just because we're like, this is how small businesses that we're going to be serving do it. So let's just do it that way as well. But most tech companies will go the fundraising route, right? And one of the first things that the investors or potential investors will ask you is how big is your market, right? Or, or TAM, total addressable market because of that, right? You, you want to know that not only are you solving uh, a really a big enough problem, but you're solving a big enough problem for a big enough number of people. Yep. Yep. You know, uh, that is, that's one of the questions that my husband, Brett, he and I have worked on a few startups together and we're currently working on one. And he's always like, what's the addressable market? What's the addressable market? And I'm like, oh my God, if I get asked that question, I understand it's super <laughs> important, but I'm so tired of hearing that question. Um, They're going to lead you know, with that for sure. Yep, always, <laughs> yeah. always, always. Okay. So now that we understand, and hopefully people are really taking it to heart that listening to your customers is like foundationally important. What are some of the ways that people can actually do this listening and get active feedback from their customers? Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is probably uh, the most framework heavy and where it becomes really, really important to do it right. Um, one thing is to listen to your customers to make sure that you're still solving their problem and to make sure that you're still understanding their problem. Another one is to listen to what your customers tell you that you should build, which may or may not be what you want to build, right? Why? Because they they just don't have the context that you have as far as what your dev tech cap capabilities are, right? Or maybe what your own, if you're a solo entrepreneur, what your own capabilities are or where you, what your vision is for the business, where you really want to go or what the rest, even what the rest of your customers are saying, right? Like someone might not be aware that 90% of your customers are telling you the opposite. So, so you, so you want to make sure that you're really capturing the, that what it is that they're trying to solve versus how they're trying to solve it. Yeah. Right. Because you ultimately as a business owner get to decide how you solve it and you, and you do it because you have all the context, you have all the data, right? You talk to all of your customers and you know what's going to be something that really resonates and you also know your own capabilities. So you know how you can do it better than anyone else, right? What what else is going on in your business that positions you to do it a certain way? So the way to to really understand what they're, they're, what they're trying to solve is versus how they would solve it, right? And, and to separate it, is to first of all lead with that expectation and just tell them, hey, this is not a session where you tell me what we need to build and just be very frank about it. Like we'll figure that out after we talk to a lot more customers. But I really want to understand for you specifically, right, what what you're struggling with, what you're trying to solve, or how you're even using the platform, right? And then 
what are some of the workarounds that you're that you're using or what are you using it for so we get more insight into what we need to continue building um so first set the expectation right and then second when you're asking questions and this is something that i think i heard in a podcast or read i can't remember but when we were starting floatis we were like how do we talk to customers and and there was some resource that told us that we have to ask why five times mm-hmm. so the idea is that the first time you ask someone why something's happening they will give you a very surface level but then if you dig deeper then you're going to get to the real core of that of that problem so let's try it live i'm going to put you on the spot and then see <laughs> just 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 to paint a picture so so tell me a little bit about um your your biggest business challenge right now that would be connecting with customers who are most likely to give me money <laughs> to put it frankly okay. That's beautiful. I feel like we should all be be really really thinking about this business challenge. So, tell me why? Why do you want to connect with customers who are most likely to give you money? Because it helps me be more efficient or most efficient with my all the time and energy I spend thinking about how I'm going to acquire or keep new customers. Okay, and what why do you need to be hyper efficient at acquiring new customers? because I want to make the most money that I can with the least amount of effort. That's beautiful. And and why why is that something that that you're deciding to do right now? Because I want to spend more of my time playing outside, skiing and mountain biking and being out in nature and not tied to my computer. Okay, so beautiful. I, I first of all love that answer. I hope it's true and not just for this of exercise. <laughs> Amazing. And then here we get to your real core, right? Which is, I I want my business to sustain my life. Like I want to work so I can live and not live so I can work, right? And that that is key, right? That to me tells me, okay, when I make supper for you, I have to make it really easy, right? Yeah. You need to be able to do something in five minutes, right? I need to start separating get shit done time from get fun mm-hmm. done time, right? So like yeah. if you really need to go into the platform and do something like, Boom. If you if you have time and you just want to get creative, that's great. But you need to know that you're in like a, a fun section, right? So yeah. um, it tells me also that um, we really need to prioritize data, right? Like to give you insights into how are you going to make the most profit in the fastest possible way, right? But it, it, it gives us a core, which is what is the real problem? The problem is that you're not building a business so you can spend day and night working on it, right? So you can like... It's yeah, it's it's a it's it's you want freedom, right? So yeah. all of a sudden you start relating to like the core values of your customers, and then that is in the end of the day, it's not what you tell me that we should build. If you if you think about it, we didn't even talk about features, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. it's those values, right, that are going to inform what what we do and why we do it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like this whole a that's a great exercise, and you guys, one hundred percent, that was not planned. <laughs> I was actually put on the spot. Um, but B, this is a great way of really demonstrating the fact that or how much psychology goes into running a business and planning features and products and services for your customers because you really have to read in between the lines 
in order to understand what the true, what their true needs are and what their actual motivations are. Um, because most people can't succinctly tell you, like they're not, most people are going to cut right to the chase and be like, I want to, you know, make the most money I can with the least amount of time because I want to spend time playing outside. Like, you know, it takes a few layers to be peeled back. So, um, so in terms of like the kind of operational side of how you collect feedback from customers, I mean, I've leaned on surveys. I really pay attention to customer service emails. Um, there are tools out there that let you do social listening, which tend to be expensive, but um, like literally these tools will scan the internet for any mention of your business. And then you get like all sorts of crazy insights into what people are saying about you um, without tagging you. And then um, Facebook groups also are a great way to really be a fly on the wall. If you've built a super engaged community, you know, people will be brutally honest about uh, your product or service in a Facebook group. And so I think these are all effective ways to start to draw these um, these stories and narratives out from your customers so that you can actually start doing this like digging and maybe um, scheduling some interviews with customers that you think are um, worth investing that kind of time into. Um, so when... Now we've talked about the the how and the why. <laughs> Let's get to the- So actually, can we go back really quickly yeah. to all the methods? Because I yeah. agree with you. I think, especially when you're, when you're trying to get um, qualitative data, so just like a bunch of graphs, right, that you can turn into actionable um, next steps. It's amazing to do surveys. It's amazing to do social listening, right? But nothing for the reason that you just shared, which is people- are not ready to tell you the truth, not because they don't want to, but just because a lot of times it's a, it's either not top of mind, mm -hmm. B, they might not even know that that's their core truth or C, we're programmed to tell people what they want to hear, especially mm -hmm. with interviews, right? So for that reason that you mentioned, I would say nothing will ever replace picking up the phone and just calling your customers. And I know we're all scared to do it because it's very uncomfortable. And I think Sometimes like on, on the receiving end, it's, it's kind of uncomfortable when you get a cold call. But if you're a customer of a business and the owner of that business calls you and says, hey, what's up? Like, how's it going? Why are you using my tool? What, what could I be doing to make it better for you? Chances are like most people will appreciate that, right? So, mm -hmm. and, if, and if they don't, that's okay, right? Like you you're still have a connection to your customer and you can move on. Um, but I would say nothing replaces just picking up the phone and talking to your customers and building trust and just really, and, and once you start talking to them, um, it, you, you don't have to start from scratch, right? Like next time you're, you're thinking of launching something, you can talk to the same group and then start expanding as you go. But I would say just, just do it. And mm -hmm. it, if you don't, if you really, really are terrified of the idea of cold calling, or maybe you don't have your customer's phone numbers, um, send emails. What I do is I, I randomly select some customers and then I reach out to them and I say, Hey, I really appreciate that you're using this tool and I would love to ask a few questions about your business just to get to, get to know you. And, um, and then after those qualitative calls, then we'll do a survey, right? Then we'll, we'll have an initial hypothesis or um, direction that we really want to validate with a larger number of customers. And then mm -hmm. we send a survey. Actually, we will have one going out next Tuesday. So we're, we're getting some, you know, some people who will receive it. And, um, 
and yeah, but but everything it should always start with just one on one conversations. I would say. I like that. I definitely like that approach of, um, I mean, it's like, uh, I guess, kind of more of a bottom. Would it be bottom up? <laughs> because you're talking, you're talking, you're talking to one person to start, and then you know taking the time to look at what they've actually said and then look for patterns across a few people to then inform the surveys that you're sending out to the masses. Um, I like that a lot. Um, So do you feel like there is a best time to ask people for feedback or are you of the school of thought of like, anytime is a good time? Anytime is a good time, but if you're if you're launching something, then you really want to make sure that you have more than the usual, right? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're just ongoing, um, then anytime is a good time. Yeah, yeah, I know. I am for the startup that Brett and I are working on. I like, you know, I already have. Even though we're not at this point yet, I already have the list of people that um, are going to get those important first access accounts to just like rip it to shreds, so to speak, and tell us where we messed up and where we did well. Um, Because yeah, if you want to set yourself up for like, I mean, not necessarily the most success, but like strong success out the gate, then really putting a lot of time and effort into customer feedback at the start is super important. Because once you put something out there, if it's if it misses the mark, it's hard, you know, like you can't really make a first impression again, right? So that's why I really think that being heavy on this, on the front end before you put anything out into the universe is super important to do. Um, It can be super scary to do because if you're pouring your heart and soul into something and you get emotionally attached to it and you think it's the shit um, and then someone tells you or a bunch of people tell you that it's not, that can be soul crushing, but important constructive feedback to get if you're actually trying to turn it into a profitable business that scales up. So it's so true. It's so true. And also you, you really want to avoid spending a lot of time and effort and potentially money going in one direction before you validate it. Right. Because, yep. okay, you're doing these tests right now, right? You're, you're letting in your alpha um, testers. But if you didn't, right, then you don't really know if what you're building is the right solution. So let's say that you mm-hmm. have three more months. That's just waste, potentially wasted time, right? So you really want to make sure that you're not building unless you have a very strong validation that that's your direction. And yes, it's hard. I remember when we first did our, oh my gosh, our very first alpha tests and um Rebecca and I conducted, I think we were conducting like maybe 12 a day and I was still having a full-time job. So we were doing 12 meetings in the evening, which was really, really heavy and and exhausting. And, and I remember talking to Rebecca and thinking, okay, what's your goal? And then she's like, to make sure people love our product. And I was like, no, our goal (laughs) is to hear all of the reasons why they don't. Right. Because if you get a yes, then, then okay, well, that doesn't really inform your next direction a lot, right? But if you get a no, if you get a, I don't like this or this doesn't work for me, then it's really clear, right? Like you walk away with very clear um, conclusions of what you need to to do. And I remember the first, the very first one, it was Kelsey, um, Kelsey Kaplan Fashion. She's she's one of my friends in San Francisco and she's a fashion blogger. 
And we sat her and we let her play with a tool and she just sank on her chair and she kept sinking lower and lower. And then we said, hey, what's going on? Are you like, is everything's okay? And she's like, honestly, I have no idea what you want me to do. Like, this is all so confusing to me. And I remember Rebecca freaked out and I was like, no, I was so happy. This is great, right? Like, this is Uh exactly what we wanted because now we know we're not ready to launch, right? But you also want to prevent the opposite from being true, which is launching too late, right? So if you don't do this ongoing, then you might just keep spinning your wheels when you could have launched three months ago. So it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's so highly emotional, I agree, because it's your personal create, creation, but it's, it's just so proven, right? It's such a proven methodology, I think. Yep. And you know, it's, it's really because it's so like, vulnerable to do. It is like, it's, it's, uh, how do I want to say this? I get that. I get the reasons why people ask their friends to like, look like they look to their friends for the validation, but basically that's the last thing you want to do because really what you're doing then is you're essentially putting yourself into an echo chamber where you're just going to hear, this is great. I love it. It works super awesome. And you're not going to get honest feedback that you can actually turn into something. So, you know, ask the people that make you the most uncomfortable to have these conversations with that are going to give you, you know, pretty brutally honest feedback. Because like you said, you know, if, if someone gets your product or, you know, your service, your e-course or whatever it is, and literally doesn't know what they're supposed to do, like that's the the ultimate red flag of you had a a blind spot while you were creating it or a gap that clearly wasn't addressed and is going to be a like a showstopper type problem. So, um, so when we're talking about that constructive feedback, how do you manage l- like the balance of listening to the constructive feedback? but also kind of standing your ground if you know that that feedback is going to distract you from, you know, your vision for the business or your ultimate goal, kind of like what you talked about earlier. How do you, how do you decide like where to, to filter things? So you really have to be very clear on the vision. So for example, um, back back to that early testing that Rebecca and I were doing, Rebecca was very, very clear on the vision of we want to give our members enough creative freedom to to make something really, really beautiful, but not too much creative freedom where they can mess it up, right? Or where where things can happen um, that will later be out of their control. So what's uh, a specific example here is um, HTML code, right? A lot of platforms mm-hmm. let you input HTML code. And the problem with these is that um, if, you, if you're not careful or if you're not a developer, it's very easy for your email to look one way when you're designing it. And then when you send it, different platforms will process the code differently mm-hmm. and it can get really messed up, right? So for, for us, it was very, very important that the, the design that you create is actually what renders, right? For every single one of your subscribers. And that was a very, very big problem that we were seeing a lot that we wanted to solve. So having that um, almost a 
a veto, right, from Rebecca saying, I, I will yeah. not cross this line, right? Like she was so clear on that was very helpful because when a lot of, and a lot of customers will ask for things that already exist in other platforms just because of habit, right? So when mm -hmm. we were hearing that, we knew that that was not aligned with, with one of our biggest core values, right? Or one of our biggest problems that we we're trying to solve. Having that, you do have to have that hard line. It's like having, um, you have to have a backbone, right? For a lot of things in that are um, exactly, you have to be in. very clear on your vision. Like, who are you really, and and why why are you trying to solve this? What are you trying to solve, right? So for us, the 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 design um, quality, right, and the consistency. Um, will will trump a request for html right because yeah. and, and and then that's where the whys come in right because well why do you want to do that well because i want to add x y and z right like a gif right so then for us yeah. it becomes clear that hey maybe there's an easier way to let our customers add a gift that doesn't compromise one of our core values mm -hmm. right which is that design um mm -hmm. quality yeah which i fully, fully appreciate your commitment to design <laughs> because, oh my God, like it's so important. Like it's a well, a well-designed anything is baseline for most businesses nowadays. And the fact that I don't even have, there's, there's no emotional worry about whether or not my email campaigns are going to look good. Cause they're always going to look fly when I like I'm using Flowdesk, you know, there's, you know, you have to like finagle your emails to look good in on other platforms. And that's just like, then you, then you're worried. How is it going to be delivered? Is it, you know, yada, yada, yada. So um, I stand behind your commitment to be a design first company. Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, so what are you doing and the team at Flowdesk? What are, because I know the, the Flowdesk team is not gigantic, but it's not tiny anymore. Um, how do you all as a company work to get answers from your customers? Like, um, I I know that Petra, Petra, right? Yes. She's, uh, she is pounding the pavement in the Facebook group. So I know that she's someone who's very important to you in terms of getting answers from clients. But what are the other pieces that you've set up within the company to make sure that you're um, really listening for and uh, documenting the answers that you're getting from customers? Yeah, so we're, we're still under 30. And I would say that it's actually harder to, to, to listen very well when you grow. It's easier when you have, when you're just, on your own in your mm -hmm. business, or maybe you have a very, very small team, like two or three people. So, so I agree. I think as, as we grow, we have to make sure that we are very intentional in setting up the right frameworks. And, and yeah, I think we have, we have um, every single person, every single role in their, in their own way has to be aware that this is a value of the company, right? That, that we're customer informed, that we're customer led and that they need to find a way in their own role to to make sure that this happens. So for Petra, um, she's doing marketing and community in the Facebook group. So it's very organic, right? Like this is where she lives every single day. So she's 
tuning in naturally, but she also knows that that is purposefully one of the most important things that she can do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for our mem- member experience team, so they do anything from help you navigate Lotus when you first start to as you're growing your list or your business to member education. So they're talking to customers via the inbox every single day, right? So also super organic, but then we have, for example, developers, right? So they're not always talking to customers. They're not always directly interacting with customers, but they, every single one of our developers is, is part of our Facebook group. Every single one of our developers is following um, our social media channels, is paying attention to what customers are saying, is looking at the form that we have where customers are making requests, right? So they're they're embedded in every single area where customers touch our product, right? And mm-hmm. um, and then and then they're listening. And then the next step is different parts of the business are going to get different impressions, right? And hear different stories. Like for example, Rebecca um, and I and Lehman, who's our head of product, and Megan, our product manager, we're probably most likely to jump on direct interviews, right, on the phone with our customers. So we have to find a way to communicate um, internally as well, right? So we're so every single person is getting the full picture. So what we do is we have all hands meetings where we meet with the whole company, right? And mm-hmm. we're a remote first company. So we're everywhere from um, Chile to Johannesburg to Hungary to I'm in Portugal, Rebecca's in San Francisco. So we're, we've always been remote and, and this is key, right? We have to find ways to communicate so that we can make sure that we, everyone in the team gets the full picture. So all hands have been super helpful where everyone gathers on Zoom and then we have general updates. Um, but then we also have very specific sessions where individual team members will share the feedback that they've been seeing. And this happens, um, every other week. So. So that's just, again, like very core. If it's a core value, we have to find a way to make sure that we're also practicing the core value. So so all hands have, has been super helpful. Then yeah. we also have, um, so for example, when Megan runs a survey um, and she has the results, she'll share it with the team, but she will find ways to make it more engaging than just saying, hey guys, here's some data. So the last time she posted on Slack, and then Slack is a tool that lets you chat essentially with other team members. Um, so she posted in chat and she said, um, hey, I just ran this survey. Can you guess the top answers? And then everyone's participating in a very engaging way, very gamified. And then yeah. she shares the data, right? So so it's really important for us to to make space for that. Yeah, I love that. Get, you got to gamify everything, man. <laughs> at all um oh that is yeah it's I love that you have your developers even in the Facebook group because I mean this is obviously very niche to the tech world but developers tend to be even though they're the ones literally coding the product they tend to be the most removed from like the end user and like the reality of what is out in the physical world so you know I was actually joking with Brett and our business partner the other night because I was like you know I know that I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the one that has to answer all the customer service questions when we launch and it's just gonna be another hat I have to wear And our partner was like, well, you know, I know that I wouldn't say this about most 
developers because both he and Brett are, you know, engineers, architects. He's like, but I think both of us are the type that could actually interact with customers and it would be okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, that's amazing. I yeah, was like, I think- I was like, few, few, A, because I won't have to like roll solo on that. But also it's true. Like sometimes developers are, you know, their their brains are just wired differently and they don't have all of like the soft social skills to, you know, um, as as Cassie, my partner at Source puts it, you know, she always reminds me to put my soft kid gloves on before I say something important. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's really cool to know that your developers are actually watching closely what the end user is experiencing and saying so that, you know, it's like, it's not so removed from them. Yeah. I would say that I I don't know that it's necessarily that they're all wired differently, but I just don't think they're given the opportunity, right? Like if you look at the structure at most tech companies, it's just not, it's not part of the job, right? So it's not, companies don't really create a lot of avenues for developers to get involved with customers. And and like, I mean, obviously, like we work with all, all types of brains, all types of people, but mm-hmm. even people that who are in product, right, who the job description does um, require uh, interaction with customers, like sometimes they need a very clear opportunity or, or, or very clear um, safe space, right, to do it, because it is intimidating, I think, mm-hmm. for all of us as humans to talk to people that we don't know. And I remember... Um, Rebecca had a hard time with this at the beginning, but the biggest lesson here is that given the opportunity, um, I think everyone can learn how to do it and, and learn to really enjoy it. Like at the beginning, Rebecca was very scared of talking to strangers, right? And it, this was not that long ago. And then she was so committed to to being customer led, right? That she just pushed herself and she researched and she found ways to to learn how to better conduct interviews, right? Like, what are you really looking for? How to not bias people. And today she's, I would say one of the top, if not the top customer interviews that I know. And that's like the fastest progression that I've seen anyone in their career do. And it's just given the opportunity and having a true commitment to to making it happen. And I think underneath both of those is a true love for your customers, right? If you really, really love your customers, if you really are in it, to serve them and you care about the people that you're building for, then that's going to show, right? That's going to shine through. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So what is something that you're working on or, you know, going to implement at Flowdesk that's based off of customer feedback you've gotten? Anything exciting in the works? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm so excited to share these. I'm sorry if I'm allowed, but I'm going to go for it. So um, we, we're, we're hearing from, this is one of the top. So we have a lot of things that we're currently working on, right? Like more integrations, abandoned cart emails, um, more um, robust workflows, uh, home dashboard. That's just something that's taking us forever because it's, data is hard. And we want Data to make it really actionable. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. But it's those are those are top priorities. But one of the things that we heard a lot that we did not expect was that our members found a way to use our forms and they found it super easy to to embed on their website or to just launch a form without even having a website and start growing a list, right? And then they found it easy to send that list an email 
and and share a call to action, right? And now they're seeing that their list is following that call to action. They're clicking on that button, right? So let's say that you are a candle maker and you have a make your own candles at home digital course, right? And you you grow your list, you send them an email, and the button says register for my course. Then as soon as their members, as soon as their audience clicks on that button, they're taken outside of Flowdesk, right? Mm -hmm. And and where that goes, it changes, it varies. It could go to WordPress, it could go to Shopify, it could go nowhere because maybe they haven't set anything up. It could yeah. go to their own personal email, right? Which you're gonna experience a really big drop in conversion if you if you're not letting them self-service, right? So um so the struggle that we're hearing, right? The problem that we're hearing now is hey. This is a, for my customers, not the greatest experience because they're seeing this very consistent design and experience in a very intuitive way. And then in the most important part, when they're ready to register, when they're ready to give me their money, right, back to what you were saying, yeah. um, then that experience changes and it breaks, right? And then B, for myself, I, I need, I know I can use Flowdesk, right? And now I'm in need of another tool so that I can close that sales cycle. And it's just mm -hmm. that transaction piece that's missing. So what we're doing is we're creating a new product, right? And this is this is an add-on, so you don't have to use it. You can just use email, or you can just use this new product, or you can use both. The idea is that if you use both, then you can pretty much grow your business all in one place and everything seamlessly connects. So you can move customers to, to leads and leads to customers, right, all in one place. But, but the product yeah. is, um, it's called checkout and it creates that very, very simple next step that lets you actually close the sale. That's amazing. What do you think? So <laughs> so I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with like uh, the disconnect, right? Between the, the, the CTA in the email and there being, you know, kind of like what you referred to when we were talking about HTML that like, then there basically becomes like all these ways that your customer, your like the Flowdesk customer can basically like mess their own thing up. And like, there are a lot of platforms out there, like you said, and they can mess it up, right? Because you're taking customers from this super curated experience and then maybe their website is kind of janky. Like it happens. <laughs> so it I think happens. that's- Right, right. So it is amazing that you are going to be able to have this like closed system for the sales cycle so that the customer experience is super consistent. I love that. That's, I mean, it's part of the reason why Cassie and I just spent an, ex an exorbitant amount of time rebuilding our website um, on the newer version of Squarespace because. I just knew that like the design of our old Squarespace site was clunky and it was not helping us close the sale. So again, like very much in line with design is everything when it comes to online interaction and e-commerce and all of that kind of stuff. So I, and I love the name, mm -hmm. check out, that's so fun. It's simple. <laughs> design is stress, right? And, and then also, like you said, you spend an exorbitant amount of time on your website and a lot of our members also spend a lot of money because they don't know, they don't edit it themselves. So they have to hire someone. And then yeah. let's say that you're testing a new product, right? You don't really want to hire someone and invest that much money and time into building the whole 
like rebrand if you don't know if it's going to work or not. So just having mm-hmm. one way to quickly validate something, right? Just to spin yep. it up without without needing to really invest in it and having it look like you actually did spend like months on it and hired someone for it is yep. is the ultimate goal. So, but by the way, I'm so excited about your launch. Is it happening in January? Um, it, I mean, on paper, it's happening. Um, I mean, things are, things are definitely moving and grooving. We're, um, we're finishing up the MVP version of which if people haven't heard MVP, it's just minimum viable product. Um, the MVP of our first tool and we're, we're building out three tools to launch with plus a dashboard, um, so I'm in the thick of the phase of needing to like stare at the wall and think of all the things <laughs> because, um, yeah. which is, is fun because I've never, I've never been on the product development side of things, but all the ideas are locked inside my brain. And so I do have a lot of days where, um, I am sitting and pondering, but, there is forward momentum, which is super exciting. And I think once the, I think there's going to be a lot of movement over this summer. So um, hopefully you'll be getting that email from me in the fall about starting to alpha test some of our features. Ooh, yes, please. Yeah. Got That's me cool. I'm saying it, I'm saying it out loud so that like I can like hold myself accountable and manifest the timeline actually uh, going according to plan. So it's perfect. I love so, that. Yeah, but I mean, I you know that I love Flowdesk. Um, it's it definitely is a game changer in terms of, like I said, making it so easy to have something that is not like piecemealed together. You can create these really wonderfully. You don't have to think about it after setup type workflows, right? That just go out and do the work for you. Um, I love all of the the forms and like how the suite of tools is really building out. I mean, it has been pretty integral in helping SourceCo and my consulting business really keep in touch with with our communities. So I can't thank you and the the entire team at Flowdesk enough for getting out there and waking up every day and being excited about what you're doing. Um, so. Now is the best time for you to do a shameless plug. Where can people find you and uh, learn more about Flowdesk? I love it. I love shameless plugs. Um, <laughs> and thank you for saying that. And thank you for all of the feedback that you're, you've been giving us ever since before we launched. Remember that was, we were in Arizona, right? Was, yeah. What, three years yep. ago? It was amazing. Good, it's so crazy. Good time. So crazy. So so shameless plug. So uh, I would say the best way to learn about Flowdesk is going to our website. So that's flodesk.com, flowdesk.com. And from there, um, our community, I love our community because you can hear all the good things and all the bad things um, on Facebook. It's called Flowdesk Insiders. And then we're also on Instagram at, at Flowdesk. And yeah, we'll we'll see you there. And I hope that if you need anything, email uh, support at flowdesk.com if you're a current customer and thank you so much for for thinking of us oh yes I mean I I think it's you know one of the reasons that I have always like been drawn to keeping up with what you're doing is because being a woman in tech is such a unique experience and you've done it 
um, at a bunch of different companies in a bunch of different roles. And I just think it's awesome that you are, you know, one of the women out there really doing cool shit for yourself and, you know, living life, even though you're still working very passionately towards something. So thank you so much for carving the time out of your evening um, to spend it with us. And I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this episode. Um, Show notes, which basically will be all the links to Flowdesk, will be up on the website at prettyokpodcast.com. If you are on my email list, if you're on the source code email list, you have received emails from Flowdesk, so you have experienced them. And if you know and love them, definitely uh, get yourself hooked up with an account. But Martha, have a beautiful rest of your evening, and thank you everyone for spending this time with us. Sam and I are going to take a summer break just like we did last year and hit pause so that we can go out there and prioritize play for a little bit. Um, But we will be back in the fall with brand new episodes. So you'll find us intermittently on Instagram when we can fit it in. Um, So be sure to keep in touch with us in touch with us there. And we will see you guys next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much, Taylor. Have a good rest of the day. Right back at you and long live play.